Think big, act small, be humble. This is the business philosophy behind Nucleus Financial, an Edinburgh-based platform provider built from scratch and launched in 2006. My guest today is Nucleus Financial CEO. In this fascinating interview, hear how David and his team founded a new type of financial services business model. Listen to how they overcame challenges, focused on client needs, built a vibrant culture and achieved success represented by over £1 billion worth of funds under management. That's all right here in this episode of the Marketing Protection and Finance Podcast. It's the first edition of 2015, so Happy New Year everyone. Thanks for listening and here is episode 26. Welcome, you're listening to the podcast for providers and advisors looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of protection and finance. For each episode, you can find the show notes and links to things we talked about at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. So let's get on with the show and here's your host, Roger Edwards. So let's get started. Today I'm talking to David Ferguson. David is well known throughout the financial services industry as the CEO of Nucleus Financial, a platform provider with a unique and vibrant culture based in Edinburgh. Nucleus is a stone's throw from where I used to work at Bright Grey and indeed we've swapped marketing and cultural ideas over the years. David is a prolific user of social media and a frequent media commentator. So, David, welcome to the Empath Podcast. Hi, Roger. Nice to be here. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm David, good. I'm sat in your offices. This is actually, believe it or not, the first podcast I've done face-to-face. All the All ones right. up until now have been over Skype. Right, yeah. So I'm leaning back. I'm looking at your really quite vibrant office. You've got pictures on the walls of all your staff. There's music playing in the background, although we have dimmed it a little bit so it doesn't come onto the tape. (laughs) So today I want to really explore how you created Nucleus Financial, how you created this great culture. But before we do that, maybe we could learn a little bit about you, where you came from, how your career developed. Okay, Um, so my background is um, I I was a trainee actuary at university. I worked doing sort of product design and writing software for a company called Life Association of Scotland originally. Uh-huh. And then in um, uh, Ivor and Syme, which is now part of FNC. And then we were part of the team that set up uh, Scottish Life International in 1998. Um, <clears> that is a realisation then. It felt to me that the industry didn't really function adequately for the customer. And so we set about writing a business plan then, which actually predates Nucleus by several years, mm-hmm. uh, to try and do something about that. And... Um, Basically, in the period between then and starting Nucleus, myself and Philip, who started the business with me here, um, we were at a consultancy business doing product design and strategy work for mm-hmm. life companies and asset managers. What were the things that you felt the insurance industry lacked? What wasn't it not achieving for consumers? It, it, it felt like the dice were loaded against customers, really. You know, uh-huh. um, So back in 1998, before before very many advisors started to move to a fee-based model, so it was much more commission-led. And it just felt whatever happened here, the providers and the advisors had a decent chance of winning mm-hmm. and the customers didn't. And if we could <clears throat> turn, around the, turn that around the other way and say if advisors were going to work for customers rather than for providers, which is economically what was certainly happening, 
then we had a chance of creating a much better market. Uh, and the, the main observation in that actually was that the, if you actually looked at so much the complexity in the industry existed to conceal the charges that were being paid and the commissions being paid, yes. we felt we could sweep that away, create a more straightforward operating model, much lower sales and marketing costs. Um, and that would be a road to a better, better future. So mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of what we tried to do. And was there, a, was there a light bulb moment? You were either in the pub or in a meeting or something where it all just lit up and you thought, right, this is the, this is the vision for what became Nucleus yeah, Financial. Uh, we, we may have been in the pub. Um, <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure it was a single moment, actually. I mean, one, one thing we were privileged uh, to do in, in the late 90s was to meet a few... Um, of the advisors who'd gone down that more fee-based mm -hmm. model, mm -hmm. and um, and I was quite a technology geek as well by background, so I'd always been quite interested in that. And the internet had begun to affect some other industries at that point, right. and it struck me that um, that this this combination of technology and the changing advisor market and a, and a changing consumer, more informed consumer, um, would lead to a different business model. So yeah, I mean, we actually um, messed around for quite a long time between 1998 and 2006 with different models, different business models, different operating models, um, different funding models to try and get to something we thought would optimize it all. And what we settled on was something, I guess, where we felt we could, we could take, we could sort of create better outcomes through um, lower cost base, more efficient use of technology, um, and, um, and and actually really, really hammer down the sales and marketing costs, because that was one part of the industry we always found uh, kind of offensive. Mm -hmm. And of course, the sales and marketing effort throughout the financial services industry, especially those focused through intermediaries, hasn't been that consumer focused. No, not at all. I mean, I think you speak to a lot of providers and um, you know they, they, they still think the customer is the IFA, mm -hmm. uh, whereas we would view... The, the, the relationship here is that the, the customer is the end customer and they have an aligned advisor mm -hmm. uh, which is which is also operating in a sort of pod as, as, a, as a customer perhaps but um, this kind of lazy thing where we can incentivize provide, um, advisors to sell stuff on our behalf is um, I think very legacy now actually mm -hmm. I mean I, you've only got to look at the well, obviously, RDRs banned commission, but um, the changes to the inducement rules as well have made it pretty clear that. Um, and we're going to look at some of the headlines over the last few months. That, uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone's going down that road these days. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of gone, uh, and that's good, right? I mean, uh, one of the things that was often overlooked in our past, I think, was a regulatory paper called CP One Two One. I don't know if you remember oh, that. I do was, remember uh, yeah. that. Yeah, and that was that was like a, I think, if I remember it correctly, sort of more brutal version of RDR. Mm -hmm. um, which kind of got kicked in the long grass until RDR was uh, became the, the the name, if you like, of, mm -hmm. of the project. Uh, probably four years after CP one two one, but um, but that was basically making the same observations that the customer was never going to get a good deal here, um, or consistently get a good deal, until the industry operated to more fee on a more fee based model, which is you know which is cool. And you sort of set out because you're a, you're a prolific media commentator, as I've said already. You're on social media quite a lot as well, David. You almost set out to prove that you could do this better than the incumbent insurance companies and the incumbent yeah, providers. I, th I think when, when Philip and I did consultancy business, we did a lot of work for most, of, you know, many or maybe most of the providers in the UK. And one of the frustrations we experienced there was a lot of the ideas that we thought were good ideas never saw the light of day because mm -hmm. they were deemed to be too progressive a lot of the time or, or firms couldn't get the systems ready to do stuff. So um, <clears throat> a lot of it was a frustration and it, it was sort of like, well, if we can't get these guys to do it, we must go and get on with it ourselves. Um, and I think it's one of these things, you know, if you gather together a bunch of motivated, small or medium-sized bunch of motivated people, you can, you can achieve quite a lot, you know. 
And um, you got new kids to do. There's about 100, 120 of us looking at board, <laughs> uh, <laughs> roughly. And um, you know, these guys have achieved a lot. I think by, by just having that, that, that singular purpose. Mm-hmm. I think we've uh, we've seen this on the Empath podcast quite a few times. Smaller companies recruiting people for attitude, perhaps not necessarily for skill, but yeah. then training them for skill as time goes by yeah. creates a really potent mix of yeah. abilities and allows you to project a, a really new idea forward. Yeah. And and thinking about what you do, David, um, Nucleus is a, is a platform provider, yeah. a wrap. Yeah. Um, and I, as an aside, for many years, um, I worked, when I was working in big corporates, this, the word wrap was banded around, the word platform was banded yeah. around. I could never actually get anybody to describe to me in a <laughs> succinct sentence exactly what these platforms were. I think yeah. I understand it now. Yeah. But again, we do seem to have that ability within the industry to create complexity. Yeah. And one of the things that Nucleus has really championed, I think, is the, is the simpler approach yeah. to platforms. Was Nucleus originally intended to be a platform provider, or did you originally have a different business idea, but platforms were effectively the in thing at the time? Um, yeah, we, we in the very early days... Um, it was actually going to be an insurance company, right? Because um, platform didn't really exist in the UK mm-hmm. in 1998, and we didn't, we wouldn't claim to have the vision for for what a platform should be or, or how it should play out. Um, I guess the nearest thing to a platform in 1998 would have been what Scandi were doing, right? Um, which was, um, you know, one level of inspiration to, to to what we're doing here. We thought we could make the whole thing more open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ultimate model became pretty clear, and, and it's actually the guys at Transact that probably inspired us the most. Uh, when, if you remember back in nineteen nine, um, sorry, in two thousand, CoFunds and Funds Network launched with models that were sort of essentially the same as Scandia's, and they were sort of being paid by fund groups for distribution, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is kind of the life company model at that time, um, and. Um, Transact launched, I think, more or less at the same time, if I recall correctly, and uh, came along and said, "Well, we're going to we were going to pay by the customer, uh, and we have no bias. We don't care which funds we sell. We don't care whether it's investment trusts or cash or or, or uh, unit trusts or whatever." And that just seemed to us to be a much more progressive model and one which was essentially um, going to create infrastructure, which would allow advisors and clients to generate better outcomes. And mm-hmm. that's yeah, so it's proven in Transact's been a great business that whole period. Mm-hmm. I guess we tried to take elements of what they do to the next level, um, you know, but we still uh, we still got a lot of admiration for them. And what's the difference in the experience that a financial advisor would have dealing with Nucleus than they would have dealing with a larger incumbent provider? Um, well, hope, hope there's two things. One is the um, involvement we encourage in our development process, okay. so so less of a day to day thing, but we. We would encourage always uh, advisors or other users, whether they be power planners or administrators, to very, um, very aggressively get themselves involved in how we take the proposition forward. Mm-hmm. And so that's a big part of our lives. And we run a lot of different forums for that to, mm-hmm. to support that initiative uh, throughout the year. Um, the second one, I guess, on a day to day client experience um, would be more about how. Um, how we engage, you know, so if you phone up Nucleus, you know, hopefully somebody answers the phone quickly <laughs> um, and it's probably someone you know yeah. um, and therefore they should have some degree of familiarity with what it is you do. You know, what we're trying to do here, you know, we don't always achieve it, what we're trying to do is do as much as possible online um, and be completely brilliant offline, mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, we wouldn't claim to be perfect at that, but that's the kind of objective. And so the people who join us are you know, generally enthusiastic towards that, that kind of goal. Mm-hmm. And that sort of brings us on to the culture within yeah. Nucleus. As I said before, when I look out into the office, it's all open plan. 
very uh, very vibrant. Yeah. Pictures on the walls, a bit of a buzz about the place. Yeah. You know, it's not nothing like the traditional view of a mm. financial services company where everybody's huddled into pods <laughs> or, or what they call them cubby holes or, or, or that sort of thing. Yeah. How important was it to you when you were developing the company to come up with a different sort of culture? I don't think we actually set out to be... We didn't start with an ambition to have a different culture for the sake of it, Mm -hmm. right? So we didn't say, right, there's a bunch of insurance companies or asset managers, let's be different. Ultimately, for me, the thing that would deliver great service is kind of people who are really engaged in what they're doing, right? And, you know, it became apparent very early, maybe even before we started, that you know, a big part of engagement is culture and the environment you operate in, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and if you're going to hire people and either with the skill set or train the skill set, you, you have to empower them and, and make them feel um, valued. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of companies will say that people are the most valuable asset, but they treat them like crap, you know. Yeah, and, um, and we always thought that we, 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 that wasn't the right way to do it, you know. So so everybody here, you know, no one sits in an office, everyone's got a normal desk. Um, and that creates, I think, a huge... Uh, connection between the senior management and the staff, mm-hmm. which I think is really important, particularly if you've got you know uh, either negative situations or issues that need to be dealt with. So now we we actually, as you know, I think we took some inspiration from Bright Grey in terms of the, the physical relics of yes. the culture. You know, yes. um, you kindly invited me into your office, um, probably eight nine years ago now, David. But so some of the physical. So artifacts, if you like, um, were inspired by mm-hmm. others. But, um, you know, as you know, the culture of the business is, is it runs far deeper than just the physical mm-hmm. side of it. But, um, you know, we try to be really open about stuff. You know, we, you know, when you go through good times and bad times, you try and share the successes and, mm-hmm. and support people through, the, through the, the difficult periods. And be open and honest about it because, you know, in the end, no company ever performs extraordinarily well all the time. You know? and, and everybody's involved in strategy and development. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say everyone's involved in strategy. That would probably be pushing a little bit. But, okay. um, I mean, we would take a lot of inputs from the staff mm-hmm. and, and everyone in the company on, you know, development themes and, mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. And, yeah, we would certainly listen. I mean, I think strategy is such a complex thing that it's, um, you understand the environment that we operate in the yeah. competitive environment, technology environment. Not everyone's necessarily got the the lens on all those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly, we would certainly be open to anyone who did have a view. We wouldn't, mm-hmm. um, nobody would be, no one's view would be dismissed out of hand or, mm-hmm. or not listened to for sure. And um, what we're trying to do really is, I mean, you know, we obviously operate in a regulated business, so you can't just hire uh, people with no technical knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, but generally speaking, in fact, it's in- interesting. Maybe just to, um, go off on a track for a second but we we hire a lot of people in their with the risk of being ages sort of late 20s early 30s okay. who've had actually really good technical training mm-hmm. in some of the big companies I think if you go and work in a big insurance company you actually get brilliant training from yeah. going in as a school leaver or a graduate but then they may become disenfranchised with either that organisation or their opportunity or their, even their boss's opportunity in that mm-hmm. organisation and um, they, they, they see that as an opportunity to leap out and join a company that's maybe a bit more they can have a bit more influence over. Um, mm-hmm. So that, what you're trying to do, I guess, is gather these people who have a shared sense of purpose, who got a lot of energy about them, mm-hmm. a lot to prove either to themselves or whoever they feel like it, and um, and just try and point in the right direction. You know, yeah. I think there's always that feel, isn't there, that in some bigger organisations, you might have some very inspiring and some ambitious and very creative people, yeah. but the bureaucracy stifles that. Yeah, I'm sure that's right. I mean. Um, I mean, Nucleus is more bureaucratic now than it was when we started, I can assure you that. Um, but, but you've been um, successful and you've grown, yeah. so I suppose there's an element of that that always think, comes about. I think one dynamics is obviously in every 
big company there's enormous numbers of super talented bright people mm. but um but they don't always have the opportunity to pull in the same direction i don't mm. think would be something i've seen or there's some other reason why they can't get on with something and make it happen and um you know we you know we go through spells here we get more done we go through spells we get less done but um but the the orientation is to be in the three spells we get more done and um you know we, we got people equally we hire people who just want to come and do a good job. They have no mm. ambition necessarily, but mm. that's totally cool because they just want to do a good job sure. every single day. Uh, equally, when people do have ambition here, which out of that, I'm probably guessing it's probably like 60% or 70% of people are more ambitious mm-hmm. rather than just want to do a steady job. Then hopefully we can give them the the space to do that and achieve mm-hmm. that, you know. But then we, we haven't lost a lot of people for coming up short in that area. Yeah. And of course, you've built Nucleus against a massive backdrop of regulatory change. Mm-hmm. We've had the CP101 that you mentioned before, we've had RDR. Yeah. What would you say was the biggest challenge you faced whilst building Nucleus over the last uh, decade? Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure. I, I don't think it's been regulation because I think we were quite lucky in that the... the Lucky or insightful, you recall it that the the regulatory direction was very consistent with the beliefs that we had and mm. the values we held. So um, I think sometimes the biggest issue has just been managing growth. You know, because yeah. you got this kind of fast growing company in a very fast growing market where it's, it's, you know you go through spells where the the challenges are more intense or less intense, and just keeping everybody you know, focus on the horizon sometimes rather than on the day-to-day issues and, mm-hmm. and recognising that, you know, changes do have to happen and, you know, you go through step changes sometimes, you go through incremental changes other times. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, some people are, you know, coming on the whole journey, some people have to get off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think these are probably conventional business things rather than necessarily things unique to Nucleus or financial services. Sure. sure. Um, yeah, but I, would, I would say for us, the, the regulatory change has probably been a, positive catalyst actually mm. more than I mean when we began, when we launched the business in 2006 you know, our target market for advisors or customers working with those advisors was far smaller than it is now sure I mean, massively smaller so to that extent um, regulation has been a positive driver for us I think mm-hmm. and how do you maintain the small business ethos obviously you started off Few people, yeah. a great focus on culture, a great yeah. focus on customer service. You said now you've got 160 plus people. 120, yeah. 120. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it's, I, I've been there as well, started a small company, and, and it's very, very difficult to maintain that small, yeah. that feel and that focus. How have you, how have you managed to keep that focus yeah, as you've grown? I think we probably, um, we, we do a lot of monitoring of it. Of, of the engagement. Mm-hmm. So we, we enter every year, the, we take, participate in the uh, Sunday Times Best Company survey thing, yeah. which gives us quite a lot of pointers. Uh, we've got a lot of other structures, obviously, around performance appraisals and um, other personal development plans and that sort of stuff. But um, I think a lot of it's just about having a purpose um, and sort of having a. If the purpose is always there, then and it doesn't get diluted or distracted, then um, as long as you're always pushing towards that, then. People, you, you can have a very big company. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the most extreme example is something like Google or something like that. I'm sure most people work at Google get the purpose of that business. Of course. They presumably employ hundreds of thousands of people, but uh-huh. you can still do that. So I think it's about not losing sight of why you're here, you know. Mm-hmm. We've got a bit of a mantra we use here, which is sort of think big, act small, and be humble. And think big is pretty self-explanatory. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people think we set up Nucleus to make a few quid and sell it and, and, <laughs> and, and, and you know, an exit. And that was... That was never the ambition. It was always to create a sort of permanent part of the landscape, um, an important part of the landscape. Uh, act small as, you know, don't ever 
forget about the little things because they actually really matter uh, and obviously be humble. I don't think there's very many successful companies that lose sight of that actually, you know, because actually you know, whatever you've achieved, you can, you can lose it all very quickly, you know. Think big, act small, be humble. I love that mantra. That yeah. is so good. David, what would be the one thing that you would like the listeners of the Empath podcast to take away from the experiences you've had building Nucleus and building a platform provider? Um, I think I think it's probably that actually. We've probably <laughs> almost done that. Um, I think I think it's have you know have purpose, question stuff uh, all the time. This industry doesn't, for example, have a good track record on on collaborative cross industry initiatives. Mm-hmm. You know, so right now, topical subject is. Platform to platform re-registration, okay. you know, and just isn't working as it should be doing. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, question of why is that and, and not just accepting what's there right now. I think there's also a thing about having no fear because I think um, if you perpetually petrified of um, of making a mistake, then you'll never achieve anything. Right? Of course. And then the, maybe just the whole thing out of persistence and um, just kind of maybe related point and, and, and having a kind of trying to keep an energy about what you do. Um, but in the end, I think if, if you go from a startup, business. I say to everyone who starts in here, if they haven't already, they should spend some time in their career in a proper startup when they mm-hmm. six people in a room looking at each other and going, right, mm-hmm. what do we do today? You know? mm-hmm. And um, I think that's a, a great thing for most people to experience in their career. Um, and probably the, the single biggest thing through that whole journey is probably be persistent because there's mm-hmm. going to be massive ups and downs along the way. And if you're easily distracted or blown off course, then you will be. I think, it's, I think it's the age-old thing, isn't it? Feel the fear, but do it anyway. Yeah. I can remember that time at Bright Grey, six of us, six chairs, six mobile phones. Yeah. You know, the future was frightening. Yeah. But you stick with it and then you look back and you see what yeah. you've built and, and you'll be in exactly yeah. the same position. I remember agonising over the purchase of a shredder for 80, 80 quid or something like that, you know, because you know, you, you, it was just such a big decision at the time. <laughs> it seems laughable now, but um, and it's, it's a great passage in... in um, Peter Hargreaves book about some mm-hmm. cost management and, and it's about that whole thing of not getting carried away you know mm-hmm. and um, it's easy when you start making money every day and once you start making a few million pounds a year it's relatively easy to to, to start to get slack on stuff mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's ultimately a damaging thing mm-hmm. you know the reason this industry one of the reasons this industry doesn't hasn't worked for the customer as well as it should is because it's, it's it's quite slack on cost all over the place and um, sure. you know we're sitting in a Back office. We might have a nice, a nice cool office, but it's in a back lane off a lane uh-huh. <laughs> in Edinburgh, you know. Uh, and it's probably half the price of the office, well, even less than the office accommodation of most of our uh, most of our peers. Of course, you haven't got great big marble we do reception not, no. with chandeliers <laughs> and all of that sort we of thing. We do not. No, I walked I walked past an asset management business in London earlier this year. And I reckon that their atrium may well have been bigger than our entire floor space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and in terms of customer customer focus, yeah. as an industry, of course, we get beaten up all the time over our attitude to customers. Yeah. I mean, I think we've 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 turned a, a yeah. corner, and things have improved, but yeah. the public perception is still pretty poor. Yeah. The financial services industry of the financial services industry. What's the what's the main thing that Nucleus have done to engage customers? Either directly or via the financial advisor. Um, I think it's just. I mean, everything we do, we we, we orientate around that, right? So whether we um, whether we're doing something formal like conduct risk or, or you know customer outcomes matrices and mm-hmm. stuff, um, or whether we're just thinking about you know how we answer the phone or, or how we deal with queries, the whole business is really built around that, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the challenges. I think you're right that the industry has generally got it that the customer is really the most important person here. I think that's one thing. 
having that realization mm-hmm. it's quite another actually altering your culture and your business to actually execute on that um, so I think those companies who've been born that way find it a little bit easier uh, I also think one of the damaging things is you get this if you work in financial services you tend to be said to be a banker right yeah because, it, because it's sort of the same to a lot of people you know and obviously the banks have you know done far more damage to trust than Insurance sure. companies or asset managers or IFAs, yeah, pretty sure that's right. And so we've all got a job to do to um, to demonstrate why what we're doing. I mean, what what we do is incredibly important, right, mm-hmm. at a society level. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we do it in a decent way uh, and uh, focus on the customer outcome all the time, then frankly, the industry should be enormously successful. There's yeah. huge growth opportunities. Um, there's a huge need for what this industry broadly at least does. Mm-hmm. And if you have the customer, you know, saying at the core of everything you do every single day, I think people, those who do that will win massively. And of course, if we can, and I keep saying this on the podcast, if we can keep telling the positive stories, the positive experiences that our customers have had, whether it's in investments, in protection, pensions, mortgages, whatever it is, because people are fed up with hearing the negative stories, we just need need to give them more positive stuff. Yeah, I mean, this country needs um, a successful retail financial services sector. Yeah. And finally, David, tell us about the success that you've had with Nucleus. You just mentioned before, before we hit record, that you've just replaced your entire IT system. So things must be yeah. going pretty well. Tell us about the successes that you've had. Yeah, um, yeah, that wasn't an immediate success. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, we're feeling very well placed on that now. You know, I mean, I think um, we actually went live eight years ago yesterday. Uh, and we just gone through eight, we'll go through eight billion of assets tomorrow I think actually so eight billion wow we've more or less got to the point where we've recovered the invested cash and mm-hmm. so we're feeling you know financially in a better position than ever before um, and I think what you see is you know we feel like we're in tune with the regulatory direction I think one of the greatest successes I feel is there's, there's 120 people here who've all probably furthered themselves by being part of this organisation you know mm-hmm. And if the company can uh, continue to thrive on the back of that, then that'd be really cool. But I'd say we tend not to, we prefer not to kind of uh, get too carried away on successes and just um, be humble. Be humble, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) David, thank you for a fascinating insight into Nucleus Financial. It's great to see you. It's great to see the the culture, the the images on the walls. It takes me back so much to the bright grey days. Before we go, I always like to finish the Empath podcast with a quick fire round of business questions. You happy yeah. to stay for a couple Absolutely. more minutes for that? Yeah, fine, yeah. Okay. If there was one thing that you could change about the financial services industry, you know, somebody gives you the magic wand to wave, what would that thing be? I'd probably retire everyone who's stuck in the past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sounds good to me. What's the one business model or product or campaign that's caught your attention in the last year? And I have to preface this by saying on the podcast, your Star Wars campaigns featured quite a few times as the answer to this question. What stood out for you that the competitors done and what, um, what did you take from that? So the one thing that's inspired me most is actually not in our industry, right? So mm-hmm. I may not cover um, uh, this, but I'll, I'll mention one that is. Um, it, it, the business that inspires me most at the moment is a, is a business called Shopify, okay. um, which creates infrastructure for retailers mm-hmm. and I think they've done an enormously wonderful job it's not a brand new business but I came across it really in the last 12 months 
to create better infrastructure to, to democratize retail a little bit. And that is mm-hmm. an amazing business. Uh, close to home, I love the stuff that Carl Richards does mm-hmm. uh, on Behaviour Gap. And actually in the last, well, we're, do, we're doing this two days before Christmas, if that's not <laughs> allowed to be known. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, he's just done a great little um, campaign of um, sort of essentially giving away some of his sketches for 12 days. Okay. And I think that's been a really inspiring thing for me, just to see someone who doesn't have to do that because he could charge for these things, mm-hmm. but very f- happy to do so. And I think if I gather from his emails every day, it's been an enormous success. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's been pretty cool. Tell us about an app or a gadget that made that's made a huge difference to your life and or Nucleus Financial. Uh, I'd say the thing that's changed my life most in the last little while is the fact that Office is available on an iPad and the connection between that and Dropbox is unbelievable, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably and, the single biggest thing. Yeah. And finally, David, what's the best business book you've ever read? Tell us why you like it so much and what you <coughs> took from it. Um, the one that was most influential uh, to me was uh, called Purple Care by Seth Godin, which was recommended to me by a guy called Alan Steele, who will be known to, to many people, uh, maybe. And I think it just made it, uh, it articulate, it's quite an old book now, it's probably 10 or 12 years old now, I think, mm. maybe even older. Um, but it kind of crystallised for me the the... The, the, the requirement really to do be doing interesting things to stand out uh, and the fact that the old way of promoting yourselves was probably uh, was probably behind us and mm-hmm. um, there are two others I'd mention if, if I may which is of course uh, there's a brilliant book called Evil Plans by Human Cloud which I really like and I think the best book I've ever read on social media was Thank You Economy by Gary Vaynerchuk which uh, I thought was just an extraordinary um, uh, effort and a couple of others Enchantment by Guy Kawasaki and Little big things by Tom Peters. We we seem to have uh, we seem to have some favourite authors in common there, David. <laughs> Gary Vaynerchuk's latest book, I think, is called Jab 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 yeah. Right Hook or yeah, Left yeah. Hook, one of yeah. the two. Yeah. That's fascinating and all about uh, social media as well. Yeah. So, David, before we go, tell everyone how they can contact with you on Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever it is, and of course your website. Yeah, so uh, my Twitter handle is David underscore Ferguson. Um, our, my LinkedIn is, I guess, just David Ferguson <laughs> of Nucleus. Um, I don't do Google+. Plus. Uh, we, our website is www.nucleusfinancial.com and there's a people section on there with my uh, contact details on it. And um, yeah, I think that's where, we, that's where we hang out, right? Fantastic. <laughs> David, thanks again for talking to me today. It's been fascinating to hear about how Nucleus Financial developed. Let me wish you every success for the future and hope to catch up with you again soon. My pleasure, Roger. Great to see you. listening to the marketing protection and finance podcast do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash mpaf for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed if you enjoyed the show please leave a review on itunes simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash itunes and leave a review If you are a provider or advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model you'd like to talk about, please get in touch. You could be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's all just thoughts and opinions, okay?